0: You may sit down, or you may stand. We will not force you to do either one. Just worship God. You can stand on your head. We don't care uh, how you worship the Lord, as long as it's of the Lord and from the Spirit. And man... Talking about the Spirit of God, we just give praise to Him that He is in this place. He was so up in our 9 o'clock. Man, y'all should just come sometime. I'm just going to tell you uh, to the 9 o'clock service. It's a pretty cool thing. And, of course, this service always is a cool thing as we uh, continue to seek God and say, God, stretch us, take us to unknown territory for your glory. And we mean that in a good way, in a healthy way. And so there is freedom for you today, all right? Somebody needs to be set free, more than one. A lot of us need to be set free in this journey, in this life. And we're beginning a new series today called Isolated Island or Isolation Island. And this is something that the Spirit's been impressing on me now for months and months and months. And I've just been waiting to say, okay, God, when do you want me to speak specifically about that? And he laid it on my heart and he said, now's the time. So man alive, this has been, for me... And uh, the Lord always gives it to me first, and I believe it's going to be for some of you. I just pray you'll receive it. I pray you not only receive it, that you will walk in it, because here is the deal, all right? Um, there, There is basically... One life worth living, and that's to live it for Jesus, your king, his His purpose, his plan. But there is an enemy. How many of you know there is an enemy? And I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you or the Denver Broncos, uh, you know, or, or whoever. Uh, there is an enemy, and the enemy is always basically trying to uh, distract you, detour you. He's trying to take you out, take you down. And so that's what I want to talk with you about is that Satan wants to get his claws in you, his grips in you, and he wants to to pull you away. Everybody say away. Away, all right, not awake. Away, good job. All right, so away and so that he generally can get you alone. Because if he can get you alone or get you on isolation island, he can work you over. He can beat you up. He can drag you down. He can do with you just what he wants to do. And some of you know I'm telling the truth because you've had a time in your life where you just went lax on God or you started just slipping a little bit or you started uh, forgetting to hang out in the house of the Lord. And so you lost that gladness. And and, and where the psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let's go in the house. And Lord, because you knew it's where God wants you to be. You knew you were getting something out of it, but the enemy gets those claws in you, and he just pulls you away a little bit at a time sometimes, and sometimes it's not always drastic. He pulls you away, and he wants to get you to that place where he can work you over. And I call that Isolation Island. That's his aim and his goal. And so that's the series we're in, and we're starting right out of the gate, going to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. And the first two people that God created was Adam and Eve and so we're going to see how that immediately okay immediately the enemy had a plan for Adam and Eve he had a plan of attack now I can go back uh to being a six-year-old child and and I actually love going back to being a six-year-old child uh and uh because God did something amazing in my life he absolutely just changed me transformed me changed my future now when I was four or five years old I had my own plan set you know do you remember when you were a kid that, like, you just had this crazy idea of what you were going to do when you grew up? Does anybody remember that? Like, you had a plan what you were going to do. Tell somebody sitting next to you what you were going to be when you grew up. Go ahead. Tell somebody around you. Go ahead. It's good. It's cool to talk in church. Interaction's good. It's healthy. Don't get wigged out. Some of y'all are still trying to plan this thing out, man. Y'all waited a long time. All right. So you, wanted, you just had something as a kid you wanted to do. Now, I've got to know and survey the audience, okay? How many of you had great, uh, you know, like your goal in life was what mine was at four and five years old, and here's what it was, to ride on the back of the garbage truck? Anybody in the house? Come on. Was that you, Heather? We could have worked together. All right. Now, Cassidy? There was something about it. I don't know what it was, man, about being a kid, but, I mean, every morning I'd hear the garbage truck running, and I was like, please let me get there in time to watch him pull the handle, like when they had the handles on them things, you know, and just smash the trash. That's what I wanted my purpose to be in life was to smash the trash, baby. Like, I'd put certain stuff in our garbage just to see, man, if he could smash it, man. I was like, man, that thing is awesome, it's powerful, and had these great aspirations in life, and then it moved to, I wanted to be a county worker and drive those big scraper uh, bulldozers and scrape those uh, nasty Coleman County roads, and I'd get hold of some of these Blunt County ones if I could do that now and get in one of those things, but 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 just scrape those roads. I thought, man, that's what I want to do with my life. You know, I just had these dreams and aspirations, and it's okay to have dreams and aspirations, but God didn't want me riding on the back of a garbage truck and be had of, and that's where he Call me to that have been fine, but that's not what he wanted with my life. He didn't want me working on the county roads. He uh, basically had a plan for my life, just like he's got a plan for your life. That plan hasn't changed, that plan is for you to, to follow him in obedience. And 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 find this plan and purpose for your life. He had the same thing for Adam and Eve. He placed them in a garden. He gave them everything they needed because he is a good, good father. He's a loving father. And what God wants you to see is that He wants in this dynamic of this relationship, He doesn't want it to be a have-to for you. He doesn't want it this to be a have-to. He wants it to be a, a desire and a, and a passion of falling in love with Jesus to where you know what the world's got to offer. You know what the offer is if you forsake the assembling of yourself together. You know what the offer is from the enemy if you don't find small group and community within a corporate faith family. You know what that's like. And, and, and you reach a point in your life because you so want what God wants for you because he loves you that you see that he's in it because of this relationship, not in it to hold you accountable as a judge and, to you, and for you to feel obligated to do it. It's like it's a freeing thing. It's a freeing thing when we fall passionately in love with Jesus. And when we fall passionately in love with Jesus and he has a hold on us, we, we will just like die to those other desires and aspirations in our life. Well, they'll just kind of dissipate and go away. And so God places Adam and Eve in a garden. And as soon as he places them in the garden, he gives them everything they need. Look at Genesis chapter 2. I want to show you this. And the takeaway today, okay, uh, as we talk about Adam and Eve, this is the simple takeaway. Don't stay, walk away, or you will pay. Don't stay, walk away, or you will pay. Now, I'm talking about how do you find yourself on Isolation Island? How do you find yourself where you're hanging out with the enemy and you're hearing more from him than you're hearing from the God who loves you? Because God doesn't care anything about you. And Adam and Eve found themselves in a place isolated where the enemy was hanging out. And he was going to tempt them. He can't make you do anything. He was going to tempt them. And so he got them in this place. And he began to work them over. And he began to tempt them. And he began to put something in front of them that uh, appeared to be beautiful. It appeared to offer them something that God was withholding from them. And it, it caused them to question God you ever question God? If you, if you get real, you probably have. I hope you have. I hope you've worked this thing out on your own and aren't riding off your parents' coattail or just because you've always been or you've always done. I hope you're wrestling this stuff out on who really cares about you and who really cares about us and who loves us and who's proven that love and who's got a plan for our life. And so, I hope you are in your own way wrestling that out and, and so that you can hear from God and he can show you his love. So, but, but the enemy wants to get you to Isolation Island. And I'm just telling you, if you're there, some of you are there, some of you are about to reach out and take that uh, forbidden fruit. You're about to reach out and make a decision that's going to bring you harm and haunt you and jack up your family dynamics and your priorities and relationships. Don't stay, walk away, or you will pay. And that's a warning. And so God loves us enough to warn us. Look at Genesis chapter 2 as we set this up, okay? Notice the love of God. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. And that was before sin, all right? So work's not a sin. Uh, so you need to have a hard work ethic and don't be lazy. Um, and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Now you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. And so the Lord is laying out the plan. He said, I love you. I give you everything you need. And you just need to eat what I tell you to eat. You need to live like I tell you to live. You, 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 you. But here's the deal. You know why I want you to do this, God says? Because you want to. Not because you're forced to. And that's why God never created human beings that were forced or that were robotic. And that's why this tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, is in the middle of the garden. It's because God loves us enough, and God so wants a relationship with us, and he wants that relationship to be real and intimate, and he doesn't want it to be forced. He wants it to be out of a genuine relationship that is above all other relationships, and he wants us to fall passionately in love with him. Now, here's what happens. If we don't keep, if we do not stay in that relationship with Christ and honor God and keep him where he is supposed to be as top priority in our life. See, here's the thing. It'll jack some things up in our life. And the reason our life gets jacked up many times is because we are trying to prioritize God and love him passionately out of obligation rather than out of a true genuine relationship of love. And so, when we have when we get in this mindset of, well, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, or God's gonna be upset with me, and he's an angry judge, and he's gonna judge me over this, and I'm doing this because of this, and I gotta follow this rule, I've got to follow this commandment, I gotta follow this commandment, it takes away the joy in life in living as a Christian. So it's more of a have to than a than what I get to. I get to serve the creator. I get to serve the one who loved me. I get to serve the one who died on the cross for me. That's free. And that's the tree of life that we're going to be talking about. He's talking about here. There's two trees. He's saying, one of them, don't eat of it. I'll give you everything you need. And he's wanting you to hang out around the tree of life. So all the way from the beginning, God has basically put a test. He had a test in the garden. He had a test in the garden. And he wanted to know if we were going to love him, and choose to follow him above over following the enemy, ourselves, the ways of the world. And trust, you see. Trust was a big issue here. And evidently Adam and Eve had some trust issues. There's nothing God had done to make them distrust him. Did you know what? There's nothing God has done to you to make you distrust him. But you've still distrusted him probably in your life. But he's God. He has no, I mean, mean, everything he has, every good and perfect gift the Bible says comes from the Father above. He's not out to harm you. He has the best for you. He wants the best for you. God absolutely loves you. But he will not force you to passionately fall in love with him. So if you want to walk in bondage, if you want to walk in sin and never choose to receive him, you don't have to do that. You You get a choice on that. You get a choice on that. But one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But just know you got a God who loves you enough that He's not sitting there saying, You gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Like, no. But he tells them, gives them everything, puts his trees in the garden, and he says, work it, keep it, protect it. He said basically this, I'm giving you a responsibility. And responsibility is a privilege. Responsibility is a privilege. You need you need to start seeing responsibility as a privilege, not a have to that it's awesome to to know that God has entrusted us and given us a responsibility. And he says, stay away from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. But if you don't eat from that tree, because if the tree gives knowledge, then where are you going to get knowledge? And here's what God is saying. God puts this tree out here in the middle of the garden, and Adam and Eve are walking through the garden one day, and they already have some dynamics jacked up in their relationship, evidently, that they didn't take serious enough. And what that was is that Eve adam adam has forsaken don't miss this guys spiritual leaders adam has dropped the ball on being who god called him to be as a spiritual leader you say what are you talking about adam found himself in a situation to where he was not standing in between satan and his spouse and god created adam uh for god and god created eve for who for adam and Adam already is standing out here in the shadows, and he's let, he's let Eve get in between him and the enemy. He's not taking on the role as a spiritual leader. He's not taking on the role of saying, you know what, nobody's going to come between me and God. He, he drops the ball on all of that. You say, where do you get all that? Okay, he's not standing in between Satan and, and, and Eve. Eve is in between him and Satan. So Satan gets to Eve first, and he tempts her. And then, basically, he, he allows Eve to come in between him and God. You say, how does Adam allow Eve to come in between him and God? Because he obeyed his wife more than he obeyed God, did he not? So God says, don't do it. Eve says, hmm, try it. Try it. See, because the fruit was appealing. And so, basically, this is, the, this is what you've got to understand about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God, it was a test. God didn't want them basically taken a that because he didn't want their eyes to be open. That did not mean physical. Their eyes were already open. But he didn't want them knowing evil. He didn't want them knowing evil. He wanted them knowing holiness. He wanted them staying. When God created us, he created us in his what? His image, spiritually speaking. So he could look at us. He could look at us. You know, now he can't look at us unless we've been through Jesus Christ and washed in the blood. And he sees Jesus. But he could look at us then. And when God created all the creation and he he created everything in it, he he said, it is what? Good. At the end of the day, he's created these things. And then he gets to human being and he separates it uniquely from all other creation. And he says, it is what? Very good try to remind my mom of that all the time when I got in trouble. Mama, God said, I'm very good. She said, yeah, you're a little sinner too, and I'm about to beat it out of you. Uh, you know. And so that's why sin, sin will mess it up. Sin will mess you up. And so basically, he said, it was very, very good. God saw his creation. He loved me. I don't understand it. He loved you. That's grace. He loved us in a unique way. He knows what's best for you, and he's always looking out for your good. Then he says, don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of that tree. So it was a test of literally obedience, fellowship. It was a test of passion and love. It was a test of priority and responsibility. And do you know what? We may not be in the Garden of Eden, obviously, because they were banned and kicked out, but every day there are little tests in front of you that really prove your love for Jesus Christ and if you're passionately in love with Him. There's tests that you have that prove that. That test may be your spouse, that test may be your boyfriend or your girlfriend. That test may be your spirit of praise or worship in the c- congregation when it comes to exalting God. That test may be who you're going to choose between uh, God and your job. Who you're going to choose between God and another person. That test may be making somebody else your rock in life besides Jesus. That test may be that temptation of uh, of that uh, of the, to experiment with that drug that's going to bring harm for you. And so You've passionately got to fall in love with Jesus more than anyone. Now look at Genesis chapter 3. We're going to break this entire chapter down real quick. And look at what is happening in Genesis chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than, uh, than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Notice that seed of doubt. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it. Lest you die. That would have been a good time for Can't Touch This. All right, but anyway, they didn't have it back then. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Man, 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 man. Had they only known that the dude who's telling them that they can be like God is the one who desired so much to be like him that it literally got him kicked out of heaven when he was Lucifer, because he could not have this mind, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 talks about, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself to the place of a bondservant and died and gave his life. Lucifer couldn't do that. And what got him kicked out of heaven is is that he wanted to be like God. He couldn't handle being lower than God. He wanted to be like him. And in fact, he didn't want to just be like him. He wanted to be above God. And so the very same thing that got him kicked out, he's kicked out, he's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour, and guess where he's hanging out? He's hanging out in the good old Garden of Eden as a serpent, Satan himself in the form of a serpent. Here comes Adam and Eve, they're walking right through the middle of the garden, something enticed them, something draw them, they looked and they said, now that's the one we can't have. Wonder what it would be like. You ever notice that? How the enemy will tend. I wonder what it would just be. Just one taste. Just one just one try. I just wonder what it would be like. And all God has told them is, you got everything you need. But I love you enough to warn you, don't partake of this right here. And they come through and they said, I wonder. And Satan, basically, he begins to put doubt in them. Look at verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that basically it was... Um, It was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Here's this trout. Same thing Lucifer wanted, was to be all wise, wiser than God. Uh, And um, basically, she took of its fruit, and she what? She ate. Everybody say stupid. Yep. Some of us, we do stupid stuff, don't we, every day. All right. So she ate, and she also gave some to her husband. See, here it is. Relationships already, already messed up, jacked up. He wasn't taking on the spiritual role, just like a lot of deadbeat dads don't take on the spiritual role in their home. Mama has to get everybody to church if they're going to come. God bless you mothers for doing that. Husbands, man up. Take on the spiritual responsibility of your family. Stand in between uh, the, uh, the enemy uh, and, and God, and you be in that relationship where you're at filled with the Spirit and take on that ownership and tell the devil to get his stinking hands off your family. She took of its fruit and ate. She gave it also to her husband, who was with her. And he said, you crazy woman. Is that what he said? Nope. He actually ate. I've always wondered, what if he hadn't? Man, that would have really jacked things up, wouldn't it, boy? Like what if he had? I don't want to know what happened. But he did. He ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. Meant they were open. All right. They wanted knowledge. Oh, they got knowledge now. They know both good and bad. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence. That's a dangerous place to be. You run from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord, God among the trees of the garden. They went, they went and hid themselves. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And look at, look at his response. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid himself. And then God breaks out the probing questions that he already knows the answers to. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? This reminds me of like a little three-year-old kid, and there's fresh cookies, but you tell him to wait till after dinner, and you come in there, and you're like, did you get in the cookies? And there's like chocolate chips all over his lips, and he goes, and you know I got in the cookies. You know what I'm saying? And just the guilt is there. But the man said, at least least Adam was honest here. The man said, (laughs) the blame game. The woman you gave, gave, uh, to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate, he said. Now, look what the Lord God said to this woman. What is this you have done, Eve? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. Yeah, I couldn't be my fault, and I ate. Everybody's trying to get out of trouble now is basically what's happening. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. That's why I hate snakes. I love dead ones. On your belly, and you shall go. and dust, you shall eat all the days of your life. Now, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Now notice, all this has come to pass because of this decision to know more. This, this prideful decision to know more. This, this decision that you might not can trust God. He might be withholding something from you. And you've got the right to know as much as he does or more. And you give into that enticement. He, look at this. He says, and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And basically, to tell the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, or literally ladies, to rule over your husband. That's a sinful desire that you need to die to. And men, you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. We'll talk more about that next week as we look at the life of David. And he shall rule over you, basically. And and to Adam, he said, look at verse 17. He said, He said, and, uh, and to Adam, he said, "'Because you have listened to the voice of your wife "'and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, "'you shall not eat of it. "'Cursed is the ground because of you. "'In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life.'" Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. You see, that's the bad part. That's not a good thing. He says, they become like us. Now they know both good and evil. They can't handle both good and evil. How many have ever heard somebody tell you, you, you just don't need to know? Like in other words, it's not good for you to know sometimes. Did you know that? Like it, there's just sometimes it's not good for you to know. But there's something in you. Oh, I got to know. I got to know the details. I got to know the juicy stuff. I got to know the meat. You know what I'm saying? We've talked about that as our leaderships here in our eldership. Now there's some things, and part of our protecting and the church having to trust us, you don't need to know the details. You don't need to know maybe sometimes where the enemies at work. You don't have the authority or may not be in the place of leadership to know the details. And in this situation, God was trying to warn man because he loved Adam and Eve. And he's like, you don't need to know what it's like to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you, I don't want evil in your life. I don't want you knowing this. But something in man, you know, desire to know and to know and say, I've got to know. So basically... Because of that, look at this. Verse 22, he says, Now, lest he reach out his hand, he said, "Um, and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard to the way of the tree of life. Now, get this. This is interesting, talking about basically the tree of knowledge and good and evil and the tree of life. See, God wants you... God wants you walking in the tree of life. God wants you eating off the tree of life. Now, when he talks about this, you've got to make the correlation basically here that there's, there's this evil that God doesn't want you to know about. There's this desire for pride of knowledge to possess more and disobey God and there's a and, and to not trust God. And God is saying, you can trust me. God is saying, I've given you every tree. And God is saying, I put one tree. And it's not so much about the tree. It's about the representation of the tree and who it represents. Not that the trees got any saving deliverance or that we would worship a tree, but notice the correlation that even in this, after they had disobeyed God, God banned them out of the garden so that they couldn't get to what? The tree of life. The tree of life. Because they could have still, after sin, made it to the tree of life, he said. And so he had to ban them from the garden because there were consequences like there are our sins and actions. And he banned them from the tree. But don't miss this. Then later on, there was another tree, okay? There was another tree made from a cross that would offer life eternal and abundant to us so that we could be clean, we could be set free. There could be a sacrifice that would bring total cleansing into our life. And that tree was made of a cross, and it wasn't the cross. It was the person that offered life on the tree. And so God wants us to walk in that life. And that's the beauty we find when we come to Jesus Christ in this relationship and we come by way of the cross. So we get this weightedness, we get this burden, we get this guilt that the enemy tries to inflict on us. There are still Christ followers walking around that are weighed down trying to live the Christian life. I'm serious. And God wants to break us out of that. He didn't call us to walk in a way down, I have to, oh, it's Sunday, you know, of all days I want to sleep in, and I've just got to get up and go to church. So I'll look good, you know, or so I'll look good to my kids, and I'll got, you know, and God's going, what? what's jacked up about this relationship? That would be like saying, I've got to stay here in this same house with this woman. I've I, I, I've gotta, you know what I'm saying? Hang out with her the rest of my life. Or I've got to hang out with him the rest of my life. I know there's a few times you might not feel like that along the way. But the bottom line is if you feel like that every day, you got a jacked up marriage. Amen? Who I mean, my goodness. God didn't design your marriage to be like that. And he didn't design your spiritual walk to be like that. Man, you, you get to love Jesus. You, you, you don't have to. You get to serve Jesus. Why? Because you, you can't get over what he did to serve you. You ain't got to be begged. If you are in a right, loving relationship with Jesus, you, ain't got, you do not have to be begged to live for him. That's what God is trying to say. God is trying to say, I want you to walk in life. It's free, man. It's free. Get free. Get free. It's all right. It's free. And God wants you to live in that kind of life and to be free. But you can't do it unless you're willing to die to self. And so the test of the tree was followership and obedience test. And notice that he kicked them out of the garden. Anytime you see in the Bible where God is like having to kick somebody out, it's interesting because he's always kicking them east, all right? He's kicking them east. Like you look at at, uh, Adam and you look at Cain, you look at Lot, you look at those Tower of Babel, he's kicking them out. And so uh, God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. So even though he asks these probing questions, he's all-knowing. Notice the questions he asks, and then look at your own life, okay? Remember, the enemy's trying to pull you away to Isolation Island. Look at where you're at. Look at where he's tried to get you before. I'm telling you, when I was six years of age as a little child, and God first spoke into my spirit through the Holy Spirit to draw me to salvation, guys, I I knew it as clear as day wow, I've never had this happen. Now, I'd had the Word planted in me, I'd had it watered by my teachers, but God spoke to me personally. The Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to me personally, and He said, I love you, I died for you, I want to give you life, eternal and abundant, and I, I, I want this relationship with you. And do you know, do you know immediately, And I'm so glad God gets his word in first. He got his word in first to Adam and Eve. I love you. I'll give you everything you need. I want to give you a life of blessing, not cursing. I don't want evil to be around you. Will you trust me? Will you love me? Will you be loyal to me out of love and passion, not out of obligation? I'm so glad God spoke to me first because you know what? As soon as God got through speaking to me, immediately the serpent, the deceiver, the liar, the lunatic, the father of all liars, he spoke into me. He spoke into me. And he said these words right here. That's not for you. That's not for you. You're too young. These adults don't want you coming and following Jesus and giving your heart to him. That's not for you. See, he still does that, doesn't he? God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, students. Nobody's ever loved you like God. God's put many of you in loving home environments when you could have been born in a third world country, already dead from poverty. You've been blessed. He's graced you. But yet the enemy will come in and he'll try to get you to question a loving God. A loving God who's loved you. Nobody's loved us like God. Giving us everything we need. and, And he'll start... He'll start asking you. He'll start putting thoughts in you to get you to doubt God. He'll start putting concepts and thoughts in you to make you want to desire knowledge as if man's figured out some way and they're more knowledgeable than the God who created the heavens and the earth. So now we're going to question God. (laughs) Now now we're going to say, you know, I'm not sure there is a God or, or there is no God. And you need to work these issues out, as I said earlier, on your own. But I'm telling you, you don't want to turn on God. You don't want want to be kicked out because of disobedience from a loving God who wants a relationship with you. And so God asked these probing questions to Adam and Eve. He said, where are you? He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And, of course, God knew all the answers to this. He wanted to see the man's response and the man's heart, same way we do as a parent. We love our kids, and sometimes we know what they've done, but we'll sit there and we'll ask them why, because it's a good check of the character and integrity in them if they're going to learn to tell the truth or if they're going to be a liar the rest of their life. And nobody really likes a liar, do we? Nobody really likes a liar. And we know God detests lying, and so, so we know that, that truth, there's something about truth, and that's what God wants you to see. And God wanted Adam and Eve to see. He's saying, you stay away from that tree. Do you trust me? Do you love me? Why would you not trust me? Do you see the heavens declare my glory? Yes. Then why don't you trust me that I'm God and I'm the only one God? Have I displayed my love? Well, yeah, I I believe you. All right, why don't you trust me? And the enemy comes along and he offers something else. And he sows a seed of doubt. And he he, he challenges you to doubt. Did God really say? Did God really say? And then what happens is, as you fall into the blame game, the man blames woman, woman blames serpent, God curses serpent, God bans man. I feel like gorilla, what is it, paper, scissors, and... War or real, I get all that confused. But anyway, that's what it sounds like, right? Man blames woman, woman blames serpent, God curses serpent, God bends man. Out of the garden. It's just like boom, 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 boom. Right, right out of there. God knows the whole intention, but nobody's wanting to take responsibility. And remember, I said responsibility is a privilege. Adam, step up, take your responsibility as a spiritual leader. Don't let the devil come in between you, spouse. And it can change things and dynamics. A little too late now, but get that back in order, guys. Same thing with us. God's telling us, stop praying the blame game. The devil didn't make anybody do anything. He sure tempted and made it look good. But fortunately, God still loved man and desired to clean him up. God still loves us. And desires to clean us up. That's why God offers basically in the New Testament on Calvary's hill. He puts another tree up and the one who died on the tree is who it's really about. That can set you free and give you life and give you life more abundantly. And give you a passion to love and serve him. And not really give a rip about what the devil thinks. Or somebody else that, you know what I'm saying, is more working for the enemy than working for him. That you're not going to let that change who you are in him because you've been to the tree of life and you're walking in freedom. So I want to talk with you a minute about this, this. Once Adam had sinned and Eve had sinned and they were banned from the garden, God still had a heart to clean them. He's in the cleansing business and all of us should be grateful for that. Because even no matter where you're at today, you can be clean. You can be set free. But in the Old Testament, when you look at clean and unclean in the life of the Old Testament, the unclean was always jacking up the clean, okay? Like if anything unclean touched something that was clean, it defiled it. I mean, man, they had to go through all types of stuff to uh, get cleansing and to be renewed and to be cleansed. But when Jesus came, he changed all of that because when Jesus came, and you go to the New Testament, any time that something unclean touches he that is clean, guess what? It's cleaned. It's not spoiled up. The woman who was bleeding, she had been bleeding for 12 years, and she was, she was unclean. She had an issue going on physically, and she pressed through the crowd, and she had faith. She had heard about Jesus, and she said, If I can just touch him with my uncleanness and touch the hem of his garment, I can be made clean. And she was. And that's the thing in us, guys, is that no matter what it is in our life that's unclean, no matter what relationships come in between our relationship with God, all you've got to do today is reach out by faith and go, God, I want to touch the hem of your garment. I want to touch you. I want my relationship with you to not be jacked up. I want it to be right, and I want it to be clean. And God says, I'll clean you. Whatever those hurts are, whatever those mistakes are from hanging out at Isolation Island and taking the bait, Taking the fruit. You see, the fruit in the garden, there was nothing that warned them that would say, Ooh, stay away from that fruit. It looked delicious. It smelled delicious. There was nothing in the fruit, even though they had the, even though it had the concept, once it was taken of almost a poisonous concept, it, the fruit wasn't poisonous. It was the test of disobeying God and taking off that tree. And Satan put that temptation out there, just like he puts temptations out in front of you and me. And he says, Ooh, don't she look good? Ooh, well, uh, you know, it ain't going to hurt to put that person down or to talk about them. A little temptation to be lured into that, to temporarily make you get a little boost or feel better about yourself by putting down somebody else. And it's all detestable in the eyes of God because it doesn't represent his heartbeat, doesn't represent who he is. And you get on Isolation Island and the enemy gets involved and you make mistakes And you don't follow God, you fail the test, and it creates deep hurts. There's deep hurts in this room today. But I want you to know something. There's deep healing in Jesus Christ. He's still, he's still the one who can set you free. He's still the one who can heal you. He's still the one who, when the devil wounds you, because that's his goal, that's his name, and the devil wants to hurt you, he wants to influence you to run and hide and hang out on isolation. Adam and Eve, man, they felt guilty, and they they knew they had jacked this relationship up, and, and and they ran from God, showing guilt. They ran from God. They hid. You can't hide from God. And they felt so guilty. Some of you here today, you've sinned or you're living in sin. And some of you are about to cross the line in that. And and you don't need to run from God and hide because you can't hide from God. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And you need to run to God out of conviction and go, God, I am sorry. I don't want to be unclean. I want to be clean, Lord. Lord, I love you. I know you love me. I know you will forgive me. And so, Lord, I want to run to you. I need that healing in my life. So for many, God is possibly calling you like he did Adam and Eve. He's coming and he's walking through the garden. And you hear him. Oh, you know. Oh, you know you can't get away from him. Especially when you hear his word. And you know you're doing things with your life that are bringing this honor to him. And you know that he loves you. And rather than running and hiding and thinking that you're hiding from him, you need to run to him out of conviction and say, man, you're a good, good father. You love me. God, I am sorry for having these thoughts. God, I am sorry for crossing this line. God, I am broken before you. God is calling you out of hiding, and you can't. Here's the deal. You can't receive healing if you won't come out of hiding. You can't receive the healing if you won't come out of hiding. Now, there's consequences for our sins and our actions. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve basically were banned out of the garden. But God, thank God, he wasn't through with them, and he continued to multiply their offspring, and he continued to bless man and not start over with man. But you, you can't receive healing if you're unwilling to come out of hiding, and Jesus come to heal you. He came to use your scars to tell a story for his glory. You come to use your past and to use your pain and, and so that you, you can tell others about, you know, I know what it's like to have my own aspirations in life and to think I want to do this with my life, but yet then God come and say, man, i got a better plan for your life. I've got a plan for your life to where there's going to be joy and peace and happiness and, and, and biblical prosperity in your life because you're following me. And you're not hanging out over here on Isolation Island and listening to the enemy's lies and taking the bait and taking the, 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 the temporary pleasing temptation that can alter the rest of your life and your course. You're passionately in love with Jesus because he has what is best for you. And that's the type of life that we need. So as you bow your head and close your eyes, I want to tell you a couple of comments as you look deep within yourself. Where are you at in this journey? Where are you at in this journey with God and your relationship with Jesus? Men, I want to ask you first of all, anybody in between you and Jesus? Anybody? are are, are, Are you like more passionately in love with him than anybody else? Or are you in the shadows and you've let your wife come in between you and you're not standing there to guard the enemy off of her or your family? That's, that's serious stuff. Because when we don't take on that spiritual role and we don't walk in our authority, then it gives the enemy room to tempt the family, to tempt those around us if we don't take on our role in that authority. God's not calling you to be Billy Graham. God's just calling you to be a servant that puts your trust in him more than anybody else that walks in your authority that he's given you as a spiritual leader, that when the devil comes knocking on the door of your wife or your children or you or your house, you in authority send the Holy Spirit to answer the door. You in authority say, No weapon formed against me shall prosper because you are walking in the tree of life. You're walking in the one who died on the tree. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know what the world has to offer you with its temporary pleasures. And you're not a fool like so many that's going to take the empty bait that gets you banned from the presence of God. That brings you the heartache and consequences for following after the things that the enemy would tempt you with that frees you. You see, the devil knows where you are and he's waiting for you, but freedom is found in truth and Satan will use any method to influence you to doubt the truth. Did God really say? Why, he's a liar. No way the Bible is true. See, the devil is the author of doubt. God would never sow a seed of doubt in you. He never has. What God has sowed into us is seeds of love. Seeds of loyalty. Seeds of truth. Seeds of transformation. But not the devil. He's the author of doubt. He brings death. Death comes from disobedience. Deliverance, though, God offers. And deliverance comes from dying to self and selfish desires. And God is the author of deliverance. Some of you here today, yep, you're on the island. You've taken the bait. You've sinned, and God says, I want to set you free. I want to heal you. I'm a God of second chances. I want to bless you. And some of you are right there on the verge. You're looking at the forbidden fruit, you're looking at the forbidden way. The devil's luring you to isolation island and tempting you to question God's integrity. He's tempting you to believe that God has ill motive like he did Adam and Eve well God just knows the moment that you do well you'll you'll be wise he doesn't want you to be wise like him you can know everything you can be as wise as God let me tell you something this morning friend the God who created you and the God who created me he's the only only all-knowing, infinite God. there is no other like it. And he has he has a heart for you like nobody else. So the Bible is true when Jesus says when Jesus says, "I will never leave you nor forsake you, he's the only one that you can truly bank on because nobody loves you like him young ladies young teenage students you seeking that love because maybe you hadn't found it in a godly way or a godly father nobody's going to be able to give it to you but jesus nobody young guys you're going to become like many grown men in here maybe you haven't been affirmed maybe you haven't been respected maybe your father got drawn away to Isolation Island and you're seeking it out in other things, other ways, other relationships you're not going to find it you're not going to find it but you'll find it in Jesus you'll find it by coming his way and through the tree of life so just follow him don't get caught up in the knowledge tree knowledge puffs up, love builds up some Christians in here. Knowledge has jacked you up. It's jacked us up. Because we think it's about how much we know, and it's not. It's about who we know. And are we falling more and more passionately in love with Him to know Him more? And it's not a weight on us, it's not an obligation. So wherever you're at, just run to God. You may be here today and you may say, Man, I have, I have been on Isolation Island forever because I have never said yes to Jesus and I've been following the ways of Satan in the world. If, you, if that's you just and, you're, and the Spirit's drawing you like he did me as a six-year-old child, just tell God right there. Say, dear God in heaven, I know that I've sinned and I know that I'm on an island by my own self. And God, I want you to deliver me, set me free, save me, rescue me, I will follow you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give God praise for that right there? Amen. And then, and then and then, many of you in here would claim to be a Christ follower, and you just say, man, I'm not walking in freedom faster. I'm not walking in life. Church is more of a have two for me. I'm not serving God because I don't want to serve God because I'm all about myself. And you say, I'm tired of being about myself because it brings no joy, no happiness, no peace. And you want to die to yourself then die to yourself just tell God say God I die to myself I, Lord I, I, I want to fall passionately back in love with you and I surrender my life and I want to walk in freedom Lord teach me what that means here's my life Lord I lay it down Father